Welcome to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. I'm a conventionally trained physician sharing how the body heals and how you can access this state of healing effortlessly. All right. We are live. live. Hello. We're here with Mind Body TV. I have a special guest I'm super excited to introduce. Um, I want to welcome everybody who's here. The theme today is about what uh, consciousness got to do with health and wealth. We don't necessarily tie those together, but from a standpoint of brain science and neuroscience and physiology, um, there's a lot that these have to do with each other. And as a physician, I have seen one of the biggest things that gets in the way of people's health and well-being is money, not just whether they have it or not, but their relationship with it. Because even if people have money, sometimes they're in so much fear, they're going to lose it. Or, you know, they're eating and drinking, got a roof over their head, but it's never enough, never enough. And they're living in a fight or flight because of that. And so the health can't really repair because they're in this constant survival state. And when I found Jay Griff's work, um, I was really inspired. I thought this person totally gets it. Um, he's the founder of the Conscious Wealth uh, Mastermind, or I think there's a different name for the actual Conscious Wealth Podcast Conscious and the Wealth Level Podcast. of Collective Mastermind. And what, what is the Mastermind called? The Level of Collective. The Level Up Collective. I'm on the wait list because when I found out about this, I was like, this is the kind of exactly kind of like money mastermind I would be interested in being in. And I started like listening to everything he has on his podcast. Um, so I'm, I'm so excited to have um, Jay here. He is someone who is really sharing about how consciousness is what creates wealth. Wealth is not just about more money, more better. It's actually about who am I being in every moment and how am I relating to money and uh, in being an invitation for wealth to flow into my life. So it's been an amazing learning from him. And I'm really excited to introduce Jay Griff today, founder of the Conscious Wealth Podcast. Welcome to Mind Body TV. Thank you so much, Kim. I want to uh, first off say thank you for the kind words and the introduction. And I also want to say hello to everyone tuning in today. Uh, I'm here to give you guys as much value as possible. So any questions, any topics, whatever you guys want, will go as deep as you'd like. Okay. So um, one of the things I've seen, as I shared, is that our relationship with money is really what can clamp us down into that stress physiology. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of people, they'll say, well, I would do this program with you, or I would take better care of myself, uh, but I don't have the money. I don't have the money. Will you just share about how that money mindset is actually creating your lack of money and can actually impact your health as well? Yeah. So I want to kind of go a little bit of a different direction with this. Um, I actually have a background in, in the health and wellness space. That was my first business. And um, so I like to think I'm somewhat qualified to speak on both aspects. When I used to coach people on the fitness side, it didn't take long before I started realizing that if I truly wanted to help people transform their lives, and transform their bodies, we had to go a lot deeper than just fat loss, muscle building, metabolism, whatever habits, routines, like that was ultimately what led me into learning about the subconscious mind, trauma, um, somatic work, all of that good stuff. Because I realized I wasn't actually helping people if we weren't getting to the root of why they found themselves obese, or why they found themselves with an eating disorder, or whatever it may be. Now, fast forward to what seems like a completely different lifetime in what I now do, uh, seemingly very unrelated in the wealth space. It's very similar. You have people who are chasing money as a coping mechanism for unresolved trauma. And in the same way that some people approach you know, being neurotic with their health and fitness, or you can go the other way being, you know, obese, sedentary, unhealthy eating habits. Those are all often responses to unresolved trauma, patterns, beliefs, emotions stuck in the body, whatever it may be. And 
we see that same type of thing when it comes to people's relationship to money. And basically what I see a lot of is people chasing money, thinking that it's going to fix that angst they have or fix that kind of hole that they feel is there, that continuous uh, subtle angst that they have. And my whole thing in the way that I approach it with my students is like, you know, you may see our content and think that everything that I do is about money and credit and debt and all that. And sure, that's a piece of it. But most of it has to do with the internal stuff, because as you know, and as I'm sure your audience may hopefully be aware of, your internal reality creates the external. It is not the other way around. And so I know that may be kind of an indirect answer, but I feel like that's one of the most important first principles to address when we're having the conversation of like uh, money energetics and all that. Kind of what I'm really what I'm saying here is just that the same way in the health space, our internal reality creates what we look like and, and our health status, like biologically, physiologically. We see the same thing in terms of what your bank account is what your credit score is, where you're at financially in life. We always have to start internally because if we try to bypass that, it's going to catch up with us and it's going to ooze out one way or another. So what would you say to someone struggling with money? It's really the same thing with health when they'll say, but you don't understand. Like I'm about to die. I have cancer. I have this, I have that. And we go into, and I've actually seen it's more potent that clamping down survival state uh, with money as well. I actually thought um, in the last few years with what's happened in the world that um, this would be a bigger shift than it was. And I realized that with what's happening financially and financial systems majorly shifting, this was going to be even bigger as far as being a catalyst for people kind of starting to awaken and take their power back. Um, you know, because I, I think it gets, it hits home even more. Uh, in fact, people often will willingly sacrifice health for money. And so it's like, what do we value most? Um, so what would you say to someone who's really in that survival can't see beyond it. No, you don't understand. I, I really am in this, you know, impoverished. I don't have what I need. Um, and they're, they can't quite open up to receive something new. So are you asking that in the sense of like, they're wanting to improve their lives, but they won't invest in themselves monetarily? Uh, that, or they're wanting the change, but they aren't willing to be in the pause of the receptivity, meaning they're mm. still running the program of, I, I can't stop. I, I got to survive. Um, what's the best way to sort of put a little crack in that so we can let something new in? Mm. One of my favorite life mantras is that when things aren't adding up, you subtract. And it's so simple because, well, I'll say it the other way. It's so profound because it's so simple. Oftentimes when we find ourselves in, you know, in the spiritual community, you could call it a dark night of the soul, or we find ourselves experience, experiencing resistance or in a season of nothing but challenges, or it might be a health, a health scare or relationship issues or monetary issues. All of these things are what create that fight or flight that you're talking about, right? It's like a chicken and the egg. When we find ourselves in those spaces, the, the tendency when you're in the sympathetic nervous system is survival, right? It's like, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do, I got to get out of this. And that kind of underlying assumption, underlying the do, do, do sympathetic response is doing, but often the way out is being. And those are completely different things, right? Being is presence. It is not an activity. It is not something you can check off the box. But being is not of interest at all to the ego, especially when the ego is in fight or flight trying to defend itself because it thinks it might die. So, I mean, it's a challenging and nuanced conversation. There is no, I'm not someone who gives black and white uh, cookie cutter answers. But what I will say is that as unsexy as it is, as annoying as my answer may be, 
if you're in that space to hear. Um, the answer is always to to pause and to take a step back, especially if you're the type of person who's saying right now, but you don't like the archetype you were describing, but you don't get it, Jeremy. I can't. And here's why you don't understand. That's especially the type of person who needs to take time and pause. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're arguing for the limitation. Yes. So fiercely. So this is exactly what I see with health, which is why I really do see health and wealth as interconnected and really the same oh, yeah. frequency, true health, true wealth, not like, oh, I make a lot of money. It's really actually what is true wealth. So would you just share what would be your way of explaining what is true wealth? Absolutely. So as I mentioned, uh, I have a pretty extensive background in first it was fitness and more of an unhealthy take on it. Uh, I started out in kind of the bodybuilding space and dabbled with powerlifting and all that. But I ultimately, it led me to kind of like uh, holistic, holistic lifestyle, holistic health, and then getting, getting into like biohacking and just all of that stuff. So to me, as I've transitioned to this phase of my life, and I'm now teaching on wealth, at a very surface level, it may sound like what I'm talking about is money. That is a small part of it. Money is extremely important. You'll never hear me say that it's not. Uh, I definitely try to make that known, especially in the spiritual community that it sounds like we're both connected to. Uh, it can be very common to slander money. And the irony about the stories that we create is we get to keep them and that's what manifests in our lives. So we have to be very careful with the spells that we're allowing come out of our mouth. Um, as far as health, I've always looked at this as buckets. Um, to me, sorry, I didn't mean health, wealth. As far as wealth, I've always looked at this as buckets. What are the most important areas that make up what we refer to as quality of life, right? So you have your relationship bucket. You have your service or purpose or meaning bucket. Uh, for me, you have a business bucket because those aren't necessarily always going to be the same, right? You might have uh, philanthropy or causes you're really passionate about, but they're not making you any money. So to me, those are separate. Then you have your uh, relationships bucket. Then you have your health bucket. And then you have kind of, at least for me, maybe this isn't for everyone, but kind of like a, what makes you happy bucket. And so for me, the way I look at life, I like to kind of design, like if you've heard of like lifestyle design, I like to zoom out, look at what would my dream life be and reverse engineer that and create that, right? So to me, wealth, oh, of course I skipped money. <laughs> and then money's a piece of it, right? So I, I zoom out, I look at all these buckets, what would be meaningful to me? It's like, okay, so I take myself there and I've you know, been doing this for, let's say, a decade. So it's like, all right, cool. So I have 10 million liquid in the bank uh, just sitting in cash, <clears throat> but I have uh, a disease that because I didn't take care of myself is now with me for life and it's incurable. Was that worth it? No. Okay, let's play the inverse of that. I look like a Greek god. I have exceptional biomarkers, testosterone, hormones, thyroid, everything, doing great. Um but I'm extremely broke. Am I, am I feeling abundant? Does that feel great? No. And so you just kind of play out all those scenarios and you realize that like wealth is really the balance of all of it. Like why, why have we bought into the notion that we have to choose this or this, this or this, right? We have most of the corporate world, the kind of, uh, <laughs> what some people refer to as the, the patriarchy models, which is very much so like team no sleep, grind harder, do, do, do. And this model of business ends up creating a select few that are extremely wealthy, but they've traded everything else for it. How many times have they, have they been divorced? Are their kids ashamed to call them dad? Do they, do they have estranged relationships? So they have all this money in the bank, but they're overweight. They have health problems. Their relationships aren't in check. They don't have purpose, service, or meaning outside of looking at their bank account or their brokerage or whatever it may be. I just never wanted to live a life like that. So 
um, to kind of come full circle, I think that we each need to define what wealth is for ourselves. Otherwise, how can you hit a target that you can't see? <laughs> like how many of us have actually taken the time, you know, took an hour, took two hours to meditate, get really clear on journaling out exactly what does wealth look like to me? What is the, what would be of the highest good for me in all areas of my life. Like that's what I mean when I say lifestyle design. I've been doing this since I was 20, just writing, you know, I first introduced to this type of stuff from the goats like uh, Tony Robbins, you know, like getting really clear on every aspect of your life, even down to what is your dream partner? Describe every attribute of them, describe how they make you feel. Um, and doing that in every area. What is your dream business? What, what would your dream hobbies be? If money wasn't an issue, uh, what would your lifestyle look like? What would you spend your time doing? What would give you meaning? Like remove money from the equation. What do you do now for the rest of your life? That's an exercise I have my students do, for example, because so many of us, you know, we hear these messages, they're inspiring, and then we go back to chasing money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's so much more than that. So to me, I'm a multifaceted person. I think that life is so much more than playing one game or chasing one outcome. It's so much more about uh, the balance of things. And there's no such thing as a perfect balance. You're never going to feel like I'm 100% in all six of these areas, right? All of these buckets. And that is the beauty of life. So that's the beauty of life. So like that is the wealth in a way is that, you get to engage with being in a, a journey toward yeah. the full development of this. So I think this is a, such a basic thing, but like we could probably all just focus more and more and more into that is the clarity of what does the, the full fulfillment, the, the rich lifestyle really look like to me. And a lot of times we're not aware of how much we're in a program of what we think it's supposed to be and what we think we're supposed to do and what we think our goals should be versus like, you know, erase the whole chalkboard, do some connection and then look what is actually fulfilling to me. Cause some of the wealthiest people I know um, don't, uh, don't even have millions of dollars. They are people who are just living in the alignment of what's most fulfilling to them. And then they find like, I don't actually want to have a big house or mortgage. I don't even want to have, you know, really expensive things. I just want to have good quality things that will last a long time that support me doing the things I love. And once we do prioritize those things, the rich, authentic, connected relationships, we find that, like you said, that that the trauma driving us to money is gone. So now we're like, oh, I don't even need that much money. And I have this massive wealth. So uh, I think that's... uh, it's exactly what I've seen with health is you've got to look at what is the true fulfillment. And then when we prioritize that, the, the health comes. When we prioritize that, the money comes. And I'm, I'm sure you see this in the Level Up Collective and in your work with the conscious wealth, um, that when people do finally really look from that clarity at relationships, business, purpose, health, money, personal joy, I wrote it all here in our chat, um, that it's a lot easier for them to have the clarity of what choices will create that. I want to look at a little bit of our audience. Um, so we have, hello, Cassia, Mary Kay, Jack, Sarah, Michigan, hi, Colorado, Germany, Sweden. Wow. Hi, you guys, Vancouver. Virginia, Montreal. Hello. Such a diverse audience you have. It's amazing, the audience. It blows my mind every week. Sometimes (laughs) South Africa. Uh, You both inspire me so much. I love you both. We were talking very briefly before, and I'm so glad uh, our communities are overlapping and that people are finding this this work. Um, Joe said, this guy is a gentle, uh, potently intentful speaking being. Which wow. I think that's why you've been so impactful for me. I was when I first found your work, it was with Aaron Abke, and I was hiking up in my. We live on a mountain, so we literally go hiking in our backyard. And right. I was listening, and like the 
you know, one thing I've seen from like the psychological, neurological brain science I've studied is um, the frequency and consciousness a person is uh, embodying, right? Like you're not just making lots of money, you're actually in wealth consciousness, you're embodying a state. Um, they will have an impact on your body, on your mm -hmm. brain and on your state. And so whether you hear that person talk or you see them or you just think of them, actually, it will re-entrain your own electromagnetic system and that will re-entrain your brain to a new alignment. And I really felt that when I listened to you and you and Aaron especially was even more potent. Um, and I felt so harmonious. I felt super inspired and I felt my system let go of a lot of things that I had been carrying and, and in also like download a lot of new inspirations of like what I do need to be paying attention to and the direction I could be going. And it, it literally makes that kind of change. So unlike a lot of other people, which is why I was, I um, applied for your mastermind, uh, what Jay is doing creates a cellular shift, creates a brain uh, neurologic shift. So unlike just teaching like principles, which right. rules wealth mastermind, it's like how to make more money, but it's not necessarily wealth. Um, but when you have someone who's really embodied the consciousness, it's infinitely exponentially more valuable. Thank you. I always say that information does not create transformation. And what most of the online space does is they package and sell information. And then they wonder why their success, client success rates are so low. They just focus on more marketing, more sales, more conversions because their churn rates and their drop off numbers are so high. What we focus on is actually getting to the root. Like in your space, you should be familiar with like a root cause approach to health, right? Instead of like band-aiding something with supplements or pharma, you look at the root cause of what caused this dis-ease in the body. I look at every aspect of life like that. What is the root cause of this? And when it comes to getting people actual results in the realm of wealth, for example, you have to shift their identity, like at a subconscious level. You have to not only get them out of their eye construct that is addicted to smallness, but you have to also teach them to play and not hate their eye construct and almost like mold it like Play-Doh because it's extremely malleable and identity work is so helpful for when you are in your eye construct, when you are going to play the ego game, the personality game, the my name is Jeremy game, and I have these preferences and these addictions and these limitations and these strengths and these weaknesses. Those are all learned. I think it's bypassing to say just transcend your ego and just you're never going to be in a personality. It's going to be awfully hard to do that throughout your entire life. So the way that I teach is a part of the time very helpful to have practices of non-attachment and transcendence. But another part of the time, it's very helpful to actually specifically focus on developing your ego in a more positive way so that when you are in your eye construct, you're not just getting the bad of the ego, right? I feel like the ego gets a really bad rap. It's also the thing driving the ship, doing all the stuff that we like, meaning like it's doing the things that produce the things that we like such as money uh, but it makes a very bad master so it the the work is getting it to act in ways more more in accordance with the way that we that we want it to act and that's why uh, identity work is so important which kind of consists of um like beliefs a lot of beliefs work subconscious beliefs and shifting the ways in which you perceive yourself and what you believe to be realistic about yourself and the stories that we tell ourselves and all of that, which that's not too advanced of a concept. I'm sure your, your audience understands that part. Um, but it's, it's so important when it comes to wealth because Jim quick, uh, do you know that guy, Jim quick limitless yeah. brain? So he has an, an amazing quote that I'll paraphrase. Hopefully I won't butcher it, but it's basically like, when we fight for our limitations, the reward that we get is that we get to keep them. And he has he says it in a more simple and profound way, but it's so it's so true. 
so many people like w lead with the what you started with, but you don't get it. But my situation is different. But here's why it's harder for me. And it's like, look, all of that is very well maybe true. But if you fight for that, you get to keep it. And so whether we're talking about the wealth piece, whether we're talking about the health piece, whether we're talking about why you're perpetually single and you can't find a good man, whether we're talking about whatever it is, these stories that we're constantly thinking and then telling are spells, right? And that's where we see the crossover between the law space and etymology, some of these more advanced things that I teach on, and the basics of creating your life and manifestation and spirituality. Our words have so much power. Our thoughts have so much power. And as I'm sure you know, they alter our actual biology and our physiology. Just thinking a certain thought releases certain hormones. And now we're talking about the whole mind-body-soul thing where we're having cascades of neurotransmitters and hormones and we're stuck in fight or flight and all that because the stories that we tell ourselves release familiar chemical cocktails of hormones that keep us in fear states because we're addicted to smallness, which all usually comes back to trauma and the environments we were raised in. If you were raised in an environment where, for example, you rarely felt safe, as weird and fucked up as this sounds, hopefully I'm allowed to curse on here. <laughs> yes. Um, if you were raised in an environment where you never felt safe, as messed up as it is, you will actually become addicted to that because it's at least a familiar feeling and the body memorizes that. And so if you experience that for X amount of years during your upbringing and now you're an adult and you're like, Jeremy, you're crazy. You're trying to tell me that I actually enjoy and unconsciously pursue feeling unsafe recurringly why would I do that? And it's like, well, because your unconscious mind <laughs> is pursuing that. You experience that for so many years that it actually feels safer than the unknown, right? And we, we see that in relationships, right? Where people are like, why do I keep attracting narcissists? Like, why would I want to date someone who's a sociopath? It's like, well, consciously you don't, but unconsciously <laughs> uh, that probably feels awfully familiar. And so the work in my, from what I've observed and my own experience, so often the work returns back to the first eight years of our life, 10 years of our life. Uh, and once we clear that, it's really like, like you said, blank slate. What do I want to create? What do I want life to look like? And the possibilities open up. Okay. I'm going to look, we've got more people coming in. So Calgary, India, Slovenia, it seems mm -hmm. like now everybody's uh, bragging about our, our massive amounts of diversity, Florida, Toronto. And we have some questions and Peter said, I've watched all your YouTube vids, bro. Um, <laughs> so you, I, I think this is an interesting point here. And, and I was thinking about this with um, like a personal story before we get to this question. Um, so when I was, making major shifts in our financial foundation over the last, I guess, two or three years. I'd been studying this for a while and I um, was able finally to know enough that I could initiate some major changes. But I realized that um, I needed to first shift my consciousness because whenever I would take these actions, there was so much fear. Mm -hmm. um, I remember sitting in the bank we went to Wells Fargo and my, I was more leading it at, at the time. My husband was on board, but he wasn't learning as much at the time. And I was like shaking while we're signing all these documents for the trust. Cause it, there was this fear and it was a total unconscious thing. Like someone's going to stop me. Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to um, put me back in jail. This is, uh, you know, doing something that's not really allowed. And what was happening was I was doing something unfamiliar. I had not been, uh, you know, you're never going to know everything. Mm -hmm. um, but I just had to keep telling my body, it's okay to follow your truth. It's okay to follow your truth. 
And I, I took those steps and, and made those changes. And it was a lot of work. Like we had to go back to the bank like four times because we needed another trustee to sign. Oh, we needed this information from that trustee about her employee situation. Like it was super convoluted. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Let me clear my energy around this because I do not need to be in the weeds. I do not need to have this banker guy continually like calling us back in to sit for two hours. And I, I finally kind of did an integration of um, it's okay for me to step into my wholeness and really letting in cellularly what that wealth is, which is a greater level of freedom, a greater level of with that privacy, um, a greater level of autonomy. And I had to like literally integrate that cellularly before all these little clustery things happen. Then I found more people. I actually found someone to work with privately. And it was like, how did this open up, you know, within like a day? And so do you have any insight for how people can shift their financial foundation, whether they've been following you or watching the amazing series you've just done with Aaron Abke, which is like the down the rabbit hole stuff of really opening a lot of insight. What's a good first shift for people to be able to navigate things and making a change? Amazing question. There's like so many angles I want to go because <laughs> I think we both know that it takes a lot more than one thing. But because sorry, because what Hafsa is is saying is how do I dissolve the yes, yes, yes. here in my body? So. Yeah, the yeah, I, I saw that as well. So to me, the few places I usually start is detoxing the body and that usually pairs well with detoxing the mind and really sitting with yourself so without any context of this person's situation and also this is not health advice consult your doctor or a professional if you have if you have one that you can trust and such because um, I know things are different for women, but uh, fasting is, a, is an amazing tool, for example. And I don't use fasting for like people think it's for weight loss and stuff. It's not how I use it. Um, it is excellent spiritually. It is also excellent as a dopamine reset. Uh, it does so much. I'm not going to really go into that. But basically, <clears throat> I would be pairing a 40... 48 hour fast with no phone with basically solitude time and meditation and probably if, if we're dealing with fear shadow work prompts um, if you're not familiar with that that's basically addressing the aspects of yourself that you're likely repressing uh, that you're not allowing to manifest, you're not showing them any form of love. And often when we repress these, we feel this, these continual states of angst because there's something, you know, emotions are really just messengers are trying to communicate something with you. It's trying to get through to you. And so the fear is just going to, they're going to keep turning up the fear knob louder and louder um, until you listen. That's been my experience every time. And let's say you don't listen. You might find yourself one day having an anxiety attack in the grocery store or whatever it may be, right? For Or a health scare where now you have an autoimmune issue because, you know, for a lot of people, they, they don't pay attention until it gets to an extreme level. Ideally, we want to try to pay attention before then. So that's what I was saying when, when things aren't adding up, try subtracting. So what is subtracting? Well, this is a great example of that. Subtract food subtract your favorite vices if you if you're watching tv you're on your phone daily subtract that change up what you're doing sit with yourself be alone plug into nature and then diving into some specific work around like what what exactly am i feeling what emotion is this what is this trying to tell me what am i repressing what am i not accepting about myself things like this um i'm not saying that that's a antidote to fear what i'm saying is that that will deepen your awareness of why you might be experiencing what you're experiencing 
because in this realm of mind body, it's, it's so complex, right? There is no, there is no answer for like what causes fear. It's so many things, right? It could be mental, could be emotional, could be spiritual, could be generational or ancestral. Like it could be, you have mold in your house. Like it could, there's so many things that it could be. Um, and that's why it's like, we need to give ourselves that space, check in with yourself. Like, is it, is this like a signal from your body? Is this like an emotional block? Like, are you feeling like stuck energy somewhere? Like you have to tune in. And I find that that's just something that people don't do. They don't want to do. They don't, they feel they don't know how to do. Um, to me, that's the foundation. Like it's going to be hard to build anything until you have that. Uh, basic foundational thing, right? You like I would, I would not, I would not be able to like build in integrity or show up consistently in, in aligned ways without that. Like you just, you can't, you can't fake that, you know, you can't bypass that. Yeah. Someone had just asked to, um, I'm in this situation. Now I'm sick. I had to move back home. This is where I was originally traumatized. How can I heal in a place that's unsafe? And I think it, mm. it's like what Jay's saying. You've got to actually distill yourself first to the difference between the trauma self and the true self. And, and maybe there is, you know, there's a different way to go. But until you do that, you, you, you can't see the door. And, and the small self is going to recreate that past trauma and convince you this is toxic. You're not safe. And so you won't drop in and pause to resource yourself. You won't drop in and pause to allow healing. You won't drop in and pause to allow clarity. And so you won't even see the door if it's open to find your way out or see, oh, how is the situation perfectly serving me? Because my whole life, I've just been avoiding this trauma and life actually brought me right into it. Whether it's health or money, life actually will bring you to resolve the traumas you're holding that are ready to resolve. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this because if you're if you're coaching people to develop true wealth, isn't that one of the core things is like getting them out of the trauma self and into the, the true self, the clear mind? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I love that quote. Once again, I'll probably butcher it, but it's like life will continuously um, present us the people, places, and circumstances that are required for us to heal. And it's it's very much so like that. Like whatever you're going through, however intense it might feel, whatever emotions, you know, might be chaotically stirring inside of you and trying to convince you of crazy things. Like it's it's really important to understand that God isn't offering you anything that you're not capable of healing at this moment and whatever's transpiring for you, whether that's externally or internally, or usually a combination of both, um, it's there for a reason. It's asking you to, to look at that. It's an opportunity to transmute. It's an opportunity to heal. It's an opportunity to transcend. It's an opportunity to let go an opportunity to, to redefine. It's, um, you know, every single day as cliche as it is, we have the opportunity to turn a new page and literally today or literally tomorrow can be the first day of the rest of your life. But as Kim said, you cannot bring your old small self into the future timeline that you're likely envisioning for yourself. So like I talk a lot about um, like manifestation because it's trendy, but I feel like the spiritual space has done us a serious disservice in the way that they've talked about, like, just visualize it and feel it and then you'll have it. And the way that I like to explain it, and this is about as clear as I've been able to distill it down through meditation and reflection on, on the topic. So we have this past, present, future timeline, right? And at all times, all three of those things are existing. Like every single second, it's present, 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 which means that a second ago when I just said that word second, that's already the past, right? And then whatever word I'm about to say next, I don't know yet, but once I say it, it becomes the present. So it's like all three are on this conveyor belt, past, present, future. 
but all we have control over is the present moment, right? And we know that, and that's all that spirituality focuses on is the present. It's all we'll ever have. Here's where most people go wrong. They're continuously referencing their past to determine how to show up in their present. So all their present can ever be is a recreation of their past. And we wonder why our future doesn't pan out how we hope. In order for you to actually, as I refer to it, I've done podcasts on it, um, referring to it as quantum leaping, in order for you to actually quantum leap or like completely shift your life, you have to pattern interrupt what I just explained. You have to find a way in the present moment to pull the future into the present and act it out now rather than continuing to drag the past with you into the present, which is what most people are doing, right? But this happened when I was eight, but this is, you know, what I've always been told. I'm not social or I'm not good with money or I could never go into business or whatever millions of things we tell ourselves. That's bringing the past into the present. And as long as we continue to do that, we're not going to be able to create any semblance of meaningful shifts in our future. Because what is the future? It's ultimately just a culmination of a bunch of present moments, right? In the present, that's when we create the future. But if we're constantly bringing our small self from the past into the present, we leave no room for showing up differently in the present moment. And that is what I have found to be the hardest thing. Like if we really want to, if you want to ask me one of those, you know, type of questions of like, what is the one thing you want my audience to know? It's like, it's this, it's that you will never experience meaningful life change if you cannot stop pulling the past into the present and acting it out. That is our default go-to for most of us. Like in any given decision, unconsciously, you will scour your memory, your conscious memory, which is the past. Yes, we don't have memory of the future. It hasn't happened yet. We reference our memory to decide how to show up in that moment. Well, guess what? All your memories are of you being small and playing small and identifying with your ego and your trauma and your stories and your limitations. Well, if you reference the past, you're fucked you'll never be able to show up in the present moment outside of who you've always been. And then we wonder why it's hard to change year in, year out. We set re resolutions. We don't stick to them. We say, I'd love to speak on stage one day. We always play small and shy away from it. We get an opportunity. We find a way to self-sabotage it, whatever it may be, because it's hard. It's not easy because in the actual present moment, when you get that opportunity, when you, when you have that metaphorical fork in the road, you have to find a way to lasso the future, that highest self version of you that it's very helpful to visualize and journal about and be crystal clear on that we talked about your buckets. You have to lasso that person and pull it into the present moment and ask yourself, how would this person act in this situation, right? Yeah. And showing up embodied in that energy, even if your nervous system's like, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> you do it anyway until it becomes normalized. That's the only way I've found for real behavior change that lasts because it's identity change. It's not some gimmicky shit about like forcing yourself for 30 days to do something. It has to really at the root shift the way that you show up in the world and perceive yourself. This is awesome. I, I I had like a lot of pops while you're saying that and, and people are really loving and resonating with what you're saying. Um, and one of the things I realized that's like such a key piece is, you know, when crap is hitting the fan and, and, and life is giving you those persistent, persistent uh, circumstances. And like you said, um, it's going to give us what's required in order for us to heal. I think then the only question really needs to be, am I actually interested in that? Because mm -hmm. the small self is really only interested in fix my lupus, you know, fix my money, 
fix my autoimmune disease, fix my bank account. And you have to ask yourself, is that my heart? Do I consciously choose the programming that says, no, I just have to fix. And especially when it's like, well, I'm dying. I mean, I have this lethal disease and I have cancer, I have whatever to actually ask then is, is, you know, even though a part of me is really interested in nothing but survival, is it my choice? Is it my intention that I'm actually interested in deeper healing, deeper healing being not just about um, stop the bleed and get back out there on the, you know, war zone, yeah. but to actually receive what's happening to create a foundational shift in your health and in your wealth. And I most often see people in that space of whether it's money or, or an illness, it is definitely life showing you it's time for a foundational change. And so if you get on board with what's happening, like, yeah, you know what? I am on board because life is on my side, assisting me in evolving into something. What would that be? And then going to that future self. And I always tell people, blow it up bigger than you ever could imagine it because you're going to need that strength and you're going to need to draw from that power to move through some of the intensity of trauma drama we're we're, we're trauma digital. drama <laughs> it's big stuff it's like pain or despair and you're going to yeah. find another breath Grief. and another breath to keep moving it out you're going to draw from like you said pull the future into the present make it bigger and more powerful and more worth it and you'll find that one more breath to breathe into this body and this now that might feel so um so horrible literally crying listening to this yeah i think this is gonna move a lot of people patty said the teachings of eckhart tolle and joe dispenza yes so a lot of people are teaching you know there's really one truth <laughs> this is great please share the autoplay yes we always share the recordings while wow, pull the future into the present we always play the past we are addicted to this yeah and that's, I think, also, um, you know, what's being shared here is just becoming aware that I've been addicted is enough of a shift to begin that journey of allowing the change. And then that second piece of like, yeah, I actually am on board for that level of healing versus the like, give me the Band-Aid healing. Mm. Um, well, what other pieces might maybe we didn't touch on that you want to share uh, with this community, we have a really open, eager community moving into higher consciousness, and people really love this kind of um, validation and encouragement. Um, so anything from your personal journey or the work you're doing or anything you want to touch on that we didn't? Absolutely. I could talk about this stuff for hours, so um, <clears throat> happy to go. That's why we're going to be best friends. <laughs> happy to go as, as in-depth as you'd like. Um, Something that is kind of bouncing around in my awareness after that last thing that you said, you were kind of echoing back like that it's important for people to really check in with themselves about like, is this really what I want? Or like, is this really, why do I want this thing? And that level of awareness. And I heard you say the word I multiple times. And here's kind of what I want to propose to your, to your audience. So a lot of these issues, whether we're talking about you found yourself in a health situation that has really just flipped your world upside down, or you're just at rock bottom financially, or you're not, you're doing fine, middle class, getting by, but you're just like, is this all there is for me? Regardless of your situation, everyone listening to this, we're all in different phases of our journeys. We all have what I refer to as the eye construct. And so when you're asking questions like, is this really what I want? Or why am I doing this? Or why is this happening to me? Or let's just stop there with those three. Who is the I that you're talking about? And so like, I would even ask you that, like when you're saying uh, your audience might be playing back, like, is this what I really want? Well, for, we have to ask, well, who's the I? Which I? That is actually what I have, to the best of what I've explored, that is the root. 
is that most of us have been living out a life where we're a slave to our eye constructs desires but our eye construct is just a bundle of coping mechanisms that we refer to as a personality mm. it has preferences it thinks it has a name it thinks it has a gender and a and a skin tone and a nationality and it thinks it's good at this and it's bad at this and it's offended by this and it finds this funny those are all just your eye construct it's somewhat of an illusion well it is an illusion but some people aren't maybe ready to fully accept that but at the very least it's somewhat of a of an illusion and then we have something else there's something else there that is able to observe the eye construct and that something else is going to give you a completely different answer to the questions that Aaron proposed and so it's to me I would be doing everyone on here a disservice if I didn't talk about this today because whether we're talking about when I was referencing getting really clear on your buckets of life and what what drives what will create actual meaning and wealth for you or whether we're talking about like shadow work and looking introspectively or journaling on certain questions well a lot of these questions are introspective questions where you're asking yourself questions but it's important like critically important to distinguish which self are you inquiring because <laughs> if you like for example when you're doing shadow work you're asking your ego questions because your soul doesn't need to do shadow work <laughs> it doesn't have the pain that your ego is holding on to so that's ego exploration when you're doing like identity work and trying to shift the way you perceive yourself and show up in the present moment that also is an aspect of ego eye construct work. You're trying to give your eye construct a tune up, right? Instead of driving a beaten up Corolla, you're trying to be driving around in a Maserati. It's, it's a tune up. But then there's something else when you're asking questions of like at the most zoomed out macro level, why am I here? What does all of this mean? What do I really want? Take away money, take away pleasing those around me take away societal expectations of me take away uh, cultural programming take away what the media has told me i'm supposed to look like as a woman take away what my family expects of me take it all away what do i really want that i you're asking is not your ego you're trying to get to the real root of why you incarnated on earth at this time and that is not a question the ego can fathom and the answer to that, I cannot give. Kim cannot give. That is our own personal quest. <laughs> that is what we refer to as the hero's journey that we're all on of discovering why we're here and making meaning of all of the pain and all of the things we've fallen asleep to. Most of us have been sung lullabies from our ego until we've actually fallen asleep to identifying with it and believing that we are it and it is us and we are synonymous with our name and our personality and we're just not there's a there's something else there so for everyone on here if you're suffering if you're currently going through something if you're grieving if you have anger or if you have pain manifesting in the body sickness disease or even wealth it's all inextricably related whatever areas you are struggling in suffering in etc it's really really important to sit with those two sides of what i just outlined you have your eye construct that's where the suffering lies and that's worth looking at where am i identifying with something that's literally not me it's not me how can we lessen the grip that that has on us right words like non-attachment or transcendence come to mind and then there's the soul and the soul just is the soul knows it doesn't need to achieve it doesn't need to strive it doesn't need to hurt it doesn't know the past it just is and it's acting out its divine will and those are two very different things and i have found that most suffering in life comes from those moments now that moment might be a hundred years and you never woke up to it 
or it might be three months. You know, for me, I'll go through seasons where I'm like, oh my God, I fell asleep again. And then I re-remember <laughs> and, and that's just life. But I have found that most all suffering comes from identifying with the eye construct. And so if you're in a space where you have been suffering, you are suffering, or there's areas of life where you're struggling, that is what I would be inquiring and leaning into um, or inquiring towards and leaning into would be what about the other voice trying to reconnect with that zooming out and I guess coming full, full circle. And then I'll stop ranting. The very first thing you asked me was about the fight or flight nervous system. And it's like, if you've noticed, hopefully your audience nervous system has downregulated from the start of this call to now as truth is resonating in the body. But when you're in the sympathetic nervous system, you cannot fathom these questions, right? You can't fathom being in this frequency of like entertaining that there's this other voice and starting to kind of connect with your body's subtle cues and the ego starts to starts to quiet and all like you can't fathom that. Like this and that's why it's so important. Just Jot is asking the same question. How do we dig deeper for a purpose? And it's exactly what you're saying. When when you're exactly. in that old mind, lots of luck because it's going to ultimately be some fabrication of the program. What, what this part of you thinks you're supposed to have or what you think you want or maybe I should do this. And what the invitation is, is as, as I distill and let that fall away, whether it's meditating or just creating some space on my calendar really does it for me. You've mm -hmm. got to go to that, that I am self a yeah. little more, a little more, a little more. And then it actually becomes very obvious. Yeah. Because our purpose is to mm -hmm. live, you know, our joy and share that with the world. And so then it will spark. D did you find, I bet, you know, there's something in your story because you're doing more an unconventional path. You know, this didn't come from some book or some course. And then you're like, yeah, I'll do that. This was pure creation of something that's pure. never been created before because of, your connection with that true I am self. Yeah. Yeah. I think that most people like uh, to reference that question that you had up on the screen. So many of us look at purpose as something to be achieved, but purpose is an embodiment. Purpose can be thought of as a consciousness, as a vibration, just like a lot of what we're talking about. It's the same thing with wealth. Wealth is thought of as an effect to a cause. It's thought of as an end result. I'll do this for 40 years, plug into the rat race, do the whole 401k thing. Then hopefully at the end of the game, I'll have the end result of wealth. But what my message is and what you've been kind of digging into with me as well is like wealth isn't an end result. It's a frequency. It's an embodied consciousness that you can tap into now. It's kind of like in the health space, how you know, until there were pe until the mind body stuff got popular, the whole scientific community had agreed that, you know, the external world dictated uh, the internal world. And then you have the kind of popularization of like mind body stuff, which is like, oh, wait, the internal world actually dictates the external world. And that was like a shift. I mean, it's still not like widely, widely accepted, but that was a novel shift in the scientific community, right? Like people like Bruce Lipton and Joe Dispenza were written off as quacks for a long time until they're not. And so just like that, we see that same relationship to people with wealth uh, or with purpose. We think that it's this thing outside of us. It's this end result, but it's not. It's an embodied consciousness. And when you're in that vibration, automatically the byproduct manifests. So when you're in the frequency of wealth, which is far more than just money, money automatically flows to you. And when you're in the frequency of purpose, of joy, of presence, of love, purpose is in everything you do. Literally, you are purpose when you're in that frequency. But when you're in lack, you're thinking, how do I get or find purpose? See the yes. difference? It's as if it's outside of you. It's eluding you and it's always going to be, you, you reach for it and it's just outside of your grasp. You so can't you, you quite gotta get look there. At where am I asking the question it's not from? outside of you. Yes. Who's asking the question? Where am I asking the question from? That's, 
that's really such a potent thing you're saying is like, how do I find my purpose or how do I make more money? It's always a shift of clearing away the small eyes, the identities that are asking that question. Exactly. The eye construct asks that question. So it can't get an answer it'll ever accept. And conversely, the soul is a knowing. The soul doesn't achieve. It just is. It knows. It was written, right? As they say, it was written. So it's like your soul already knows. So the work isn't 3D doing, achieving work. The work is being, silencing, clearing, creating space. And then the knowing comes through. That's how it works. It's counterintuitive to what society has told us. Imagine that. Yes, yes, that. I, I, I we're going to complete in one minute, but there's a lot of great questions. And Peter said, I'm curious if you have insight on resistance to taking action. My body clamps up. I get acid reflux, especially when I take action on business and music stuff. And this is that exact same point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's your kind of go to. Uh, That's your ego's go-to response of essentially there's a trigger, right? There's a stimulus and then your body responds to it. So there's going to be like a mental neurotransmitter cocktail. There's going to be a hormonal cocktail. And then that manifests as like a biological state that you are very familiar with. And then your body will actually become addicted to that and it will expect that similar to Pavlov conditioning, right? So if we ring the bell, your body's going to have that happen, even if it's not, even if it shouldn't happen. That's how this stuff works. So the work, I mean, there's so many ways to do it, right? The the more clinical psychology space would say um, desensitization uh, therapy, where you expose yourself in small doses to the trigger, over long periods of time until you develop more resiliency to it. Um, I'm of the belief that why do we need to take a 10, a 10 mile detour when we can go straight to the source, (laughs) your eye construct is uh, communicating with your body and, and creating that. So working on directly transcending and detaching from that will loosen the stories and loosen the physiological and biological grip that it has on you. So um, to me, that's the most powerful work. If you're in that type of space where you're not even able to start yet, forget the identity stuff that I was talking about. I, you got to start with the eye construct, realizing you're not that, getting outside of that, and then practicing that beautiful play of how do you show up in this 3D world not attached to your avatar? It's a trip. <laughs> but um, kind of practicing that. Because if you can show up in that moment when you go to make that business decision or you go to uh, do that musical endeavor, I don't know what you're referencing, but those are your current triggers, showing up where you're not showing up as Peter. You're showing up as your soul manifested who's happened to identify with the name as Peter. But now there's a different level. You're looking down on Peter. So when Peter's body is experiencing this, it can just be observed. It doesn't carry the same weight anymore. And that is where we start to, I believe, use the analogy of like cracking the door open. That is where you can start to see the light. And once you see what we're intellectually trying to conceptualize to your brain, you'll understand it um, at a more of a knowing level. And a lot of things will click for you, but there's, you know, we could talk about it all day. You have to experience this stuff. It's experiential embodiment. It's knowing uh, you can't get there with words. Words just point. Amen. Thank you so much, Jay. We could go for hours. I would love to have you back on at some point. And I know everyone can join the Level Up uh, Collective. I'm hoping to get off the waiting list at the perfect time when it's right and really excited. We're a few days out, so we'll be in touch very soon with you, Kim. Uh, And (laughs) where can people, it's the best place for them to find you. You have the Conscious Wealth Podcast. Are there any Mm -hmm. other nuggets that you want to share? So uh, definitely connect with me on Instagram. If any of you are looking to like actually personally connect, that would be the only platform where you can uh, communicate with me. Uh, I DM all of our new followers and just like to, you know, talk to you guys and such. Um, So that is at official underscore J Griff. 
Um, that would be my Instagram and then uh, YouTube and our podcast are our main other platform. So like, uh, let's see over here, the Conscious Wealth Podcast. You can check us out on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you like the uh, more, if you're more of a visual person, we put out very high quality, high production um, educational masterclasses on a lot of the things that I teach on in podcast form but we do it visually on YouTube. So you can just search official J Griff on YouTube as well. I'm totally in. Thank you so much. I'm so, so grateful and thankful for your work, for what you're doing that we met and that you've come to connect with our community. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, Kim. I'm wishing you a blessed week. Thank you so much for having me and looking forward to continuing to build our relationship. You've been listening to the Mind Body TV podcast with Dr. Kim Duramo. For a special download to assist with integrating this work, go to drkimd.com forward slash podcast.